Hello and welcome to Be The Wolf. I am your host, Jenea Barnes. Many people struggle to be the fullest, biggest, truest versions of themselves. They bend to fit into other people's ideals of who and what they should be. They tame their brilliance to avoid judgment and gain approval. A long time ago, people attempted to tame the wilderness of Yellowstone National Park by eradicating predators. Taming the wilderness collapsed the ecosystem. But there's hope. In the mid-90s, 41 wolves were introduced into the park and with this, the ecosystem replenished itself and flourished. The wolves did nothing but be exactly who they are meant to be and do what they were born to do. So I say to you, be the wolf. Hello, hello everybody and welcome to this episode of Be the Wolf. I'm super excited to be here with Cindy McGinnis. And I'm super excited because she's one of the very few people that has made her childhood dream a reality. And it was not really the dream you thought you could turn into a job. So this is going to be an amazing journey for us to hear how you can do it and what it takes to actually really turn whatever your dream is, whatever it is that you love more than anything else into your job. So Cindy, will you tell us, tell us what you do? Sure. So first, thank you for having me. So I, I am a passionate educator is how I describe it. I, I teach about whales in a lot of different aspects. So I have been working on a whale watch boat for 29 years, taking people out to see whales in the wild off the coast of Massachusetts. I am an adjunct professor at Salem State University. And it was funny, we were on a field trip the other day and one of the, the person leading the field trip was like, what is she, te- what is she teaching you about? And the kids are like, whales? Yeah, okay. And then I also have a life-size inflatable model of a humpback whale that I take into schools to teach kids about whales and the oceans and what they can do to help protect both. So let me guess, your first love was whales. Was whales, yeah. Since I was little, I mean, I don't even remember, I, I don't remember a time that I wasn't into whales. All right. The first thing I ever wanted to be was a clown. <laughs> Did and you that, ever dress up as a clown or anything? No, but no. in hindsight, understanding my psyche and my trauma and all of that stuff is I have a lot of weird things about being seen and unseen at the same time. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So that was my thing. But I also loved animals. And I was like the animal whisperer, the dog, the German shepherd that hated everybody, loved me. So I had this thing about animals. But what was it for you specifically about the whale? The whale's a weird animal for people to get attached to. It is. And I, so I grew up in Indiana and I didn't see a whale in the wild until I was 14. 
So we used to go to SeaWorld in Ohio and it's a part of my story that I have such mixed feelings about today. But but my mom said the first time I saw the whales, I was just gobsmacked. And that's why, I mean, I don't even remember. One of my first memories is in third grade getting the autograph of a whale. The trainer stuck the pen in the whale's mouth and it scribbled on my little autograph book. So that's one of my first memories about it. But it was it was probably in kindergarten that I really started liking them. And then family vacations. We, Whenever we were near the ocean, I'd beg to go whale watching and I would always collect stuff. Anytime I'd saw like a little whale stuffed animal, I'd always want to get it. And I don't know. I still don't know what it is. I just, I just think that they're so, they're fascinating to me. I was a couple of years ago, I was in Salulita, Mexico in April. And that's during the time where the whales go, I forget which whales, which kind, but you probably know. Humpbacks, probably. <laughs> the humpback whales go down because there's no sharks in the area. So that's where they give their birth to the babies. So it's a safer environment. And, and there's not a lot of food either, but they give all the food to the baby. Well, you would know more, of course. And then when the baby's strong enough to make the transition back up the coast, then they'll go back up the coast. Yeah. I love that you learned that down there. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I learned it from a very handsome man on a boat. <laughs> Excellent. And I got to see, you know, the mom jump because they're teaching the babies, right? So the mom would jump and then the baby would jump. It was really cool. Oh, that's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. Oh, cool. So you have this love of whales and you went through high school and then comes the time everybody, when they're a teenager, is like, what am I going to do with my life? <laughs> what When you were in that stage of life with this love for whales, what were you thinking about trying to do? So I, I went to a really young high school and they did not have established science teachers yet. So I was not into science. I had three biology teachers in one year and two physics teachers in one year. Whoa. So I was not turned on to science and that was not something that I went, I didn't go to college thinking I would pursue something with whales. I thought it would be because I guess because I wasn't into science, I just thought, how am I going to do this if science isn't my thing? So when I went to college, I wasn't looking for a place that had a marine biology degree. When I got to college, I, a friend of mine took the marine biology class the first semester. And I think they studied whales one day. And I was like, well, I just want to learn about whales. I don't want to learn about the whole ocean. So I ended up studying psychology because I knew I wanted to work with kids. I knew in some way I wanted to teach, but I didn't want to. Teaching in a classroom wasn't something that I wanted to do. So I got my degree in psychology. And then when I graduated, I literally I had no idea. I didn't know what I was going to possibly do. I did think about whale watching because I had gone once during college and there were two people that were retired that were on the boat collecting data. And I thought, oh, okay, when I retire, maybe then I can work on a whale watch boat and volunteer or something like that. But all of my friends were moving out to Boston. And so I had gone back to Indiana for three weeks. And I was like, oh, I don't want to live in the Midwest. And so I came out to Boston and I had brought my resume because I was looking for a job. I went whale watching and I talked to the people on the boat and because everybody was my age, I was like, 
you you like this is a paid job you could actually get paid to work you, on a boat before you get there though i yeah. want to touch on something that's so common or there's a couple of things that are so common in your story right here's this thing that i love but oh i can't i don't know how to make a job out of it right if the, the classes about it only have one one day about whales. Yeah, like, why yeah. would I bother? I remember I was a chemical engineer major and I knew I wanted to become a photographer and my school had one photography class. I'm like, well, why am I going to even bother switching majors? Like, I'm just going to drop out of this horrible program that I hate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but you finished and and I think you did know some of the things that you wanted to do. And that's more than a lot of people know. So you knew you maybe wanted to work with kids, maybe you wanted to teach. But again, you're in this program, this school of doing things that is, did you feel like it was what you were supposed to do? Just go to college? Yeah, ab absolutely. I mean, it wasn't, the question wasn't, are you going to go to college? It was, where are you going to go? Right. Definitely. Yeah. So that was not even not a choice. I mean, I, I loved it and I'm obviously grateful that I went, but, and even past that, it was like, what's going to be next then, you know, what's the next degree you're going to get and that sort of thing too. So education and, is always something that's been super valued in my family. Right. And I think that's the thing you get out of college and then where's the, where's the roadmap? Like you're, you, you work so hard, you get good grades in high school so that you can get into college, but then where's the roadmap? Nobody tells you, I mean, some people have internship tracks and maybe there's sort of a specific roadmap if they're going to the right kind of school, if they have the right mentors, if they actually speak up and look for that stuff. A lot of people don't have the gumption to do that. Or if there's like a traditional kind of path that you take for that profession. Right. right. Okay. So, and then the other piece I wanted to touch on there that was so big is, oh, I'll live my life and then I'll do the thing I love. So are there are these retired people on the boats. Oh, I'll do it when I retire. I have to wait. 60 years before 50 years, whatever it is, before I could actually do the thing I love. And the generation before us, that was the mentality, right? You, you get a steady job, you work hard, you retire, and then you travel, then you enjoy life, then maybe you open your own little restaurant or whatever it might be that's your heart's desire. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think too, probably that's what I had been. Yeah, I, that's what I was thinking too. I think a little bit going into college, these are the different things that I need to do in my life. But I, there was more. That, there <laughs> more. So you're on the whale watching boat, you're in college, you're looking at people your own age. What, you know, it's, it's looking at people, our peers doing something, not just somebody that's like a famous person doing this thing over here or a retiree. But when you start to see your peers, people that are like you doing something, did that give you an aha moment? It definitely did. I remember my first trip, I'd probably been on 2,500 whale watches. I remember that first trip so clearly. And I remember coming in and being on the bow and talking to the person that had been on the microphone and being like, 
how do I do this? This job is exactly what I want to do. Because to me, being able to talk about whales and teach people about whales was absolutely hands down. Couldn't even imagine myself doing anything else at all. And so she told me about an internship program. And that was, it's still a great way to get into the whale world to do an internship. And so she told me about this internship. She's like, you'll eat, sleep and breathe whales. And I was like, oh, that sounds amazing. You know? And, <laughs> and so I had my resume, I left it with her. And then I drove across country for three and a half weeks. And the day that I had gotten home, my mom was like, this person from KPN Whale Watch called you. Do you want to come out? And were asked if you wanted to work on the boat. And I was like, oh my gosh, like that was, that was amazing. Yeah. yeah. So you put it out there. Did you think you would get accepted. You or? know, I really, I, I, I put it out there and I not forgot about it, but I, it wasn't something that I thought about during the trip. And I thought, I don't have any experience working on a boat. I have no experience working on the ocean. I knew a little bit about photography, which is important because you're taking pictures of the whales. Um, I knew how to talk to people. So I thought maybe there's a chance I could get this, but I have no idea. You know, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't even think I really thought it was a possibility because I don't remember ever thinking about it on, on a road trip. Interesting. And what I've seen time and time again with people who get the things that they really want, who actually get them is they put the effort they take the action, right? You always have to take the action to get anything. You can't just sit there and like, oh, come to me, come sit in my lap. <laughs> you know, it doesn't, it doesn't work. People talk about astrology and they say like, oh, but I'm supposed to meet my soulmate this month. But you got to leave the house. You might have better odds for that happening, but you've got to take action. Take no, it doesn't birthday. matter what the stars say. If you don't leave your house, maybe a delivery man might be your soulmate. I don't know, but <laughs> odds, are odds are slim. So you took the action, you put it out there. And, and what I've seen is that people will do this. This is what I want. They do the action. They put it out there. They forget about it. They're not spending all this time thinking about, oh my God, what if I get this? What if I don't get this? Because then it's like, and if you think about all those thoughts that go through your head when you're real nervous about something, it's like push and pull, push and pull, push and pull. And if you're a person that believes in energy, imagine if this is the thing you want and then there's energy pushing and pulling back and forth. Like, how are you going to actually get that thing, right? <laughs> Instead of saying like, hello, I like you. That's great. And then not being attached to it and walking away. And then the thing's like, hello, hi, I want you. Yes, yes. <laughs> you're the one I want. You didn't push and pull me all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I don't know exactly if that's how it works, but I've seen it so many times that it just blows my mind. There has got to be something to that, put it out there and then surrender. And I think too, uh, yeah, I think too, I think this is what I was meant to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is an opportunity that was put in front of me and I chose to take a step into it. And then that literally changed my life. Yeah. And that's the other piece too, is the opportunity was there. 
and were you going to have your blinders so set on, you know, I'm going back to Boston in three weeks. This isn't what my, in my plan, my blinders are so tight that I'm not even going to see this opportunity, but you saw the opportunity and you took action. And that's, I think what the biggest thing, most people that feel like there are no opportunities are really attached to the way it's supposed to be or whatever, however it is they picture it in their mind. So you had this opportunity show up, you took the action, you let it go and you got the call back. And then what I, happened? I ended up coming out here. The other thing I will say too, is that I wasn't attached to what was going to happen eventually, like where it was, where it would lead. Like that wasn't at all a piece that I was, I just wanted to be, I just wanted to watch whales. That was it. So I moved out here and I volunteered on the boat for three months and babysat for the owner. And so that winter um, we were talking and he said, do you want to work in the galley next summer? Because the position of naturalist, which is the person that talks on the microphone, wasn't available. And so I was like, yes, I will do anything to work on the boat and make money. So I worked in the galley, which is serving food. And I wasn't very good at it because I wanted to watch the whales. <laughs> but then the next year, and the really cool thing was that I had two, basically a season and a half on the boat. And I listened to four different naturalists call the trip or talk about the whales. And so what was really cool is that when it was then my turn to, to do it myself, I had all these different people to pull from to then put together my own kind of spiel. So the next year I got a job as, as naturalist and took over the internship program. And so hired college students to help work on the boat and that sort of thing. That's really cool. Yeah. And, you know, I've talked about this before, but it is that like, it's great to have a 10 year goal. Sure. You have a direction that you're moving towards, but the reality is you're right here right now. So if you're trying to make the steps that are going to make that 10 year goal happen, your mind is at like year nine instead of right here where you are now. And so if you had a lot of people might've just given up and been like mad that they didn't get to, talk and be talk on the microphone right away that first year, that second year. But because you were able and willing to stay where you were and take steps forward each time, you got closer and closer. And had you tried to leave and be like, well, I know all this stuff about whales and I'm going to go try and work on a different boat. <laughs> you might have spent 10 years trying to work on a different boat instead of the taking the steps that were there right in front of you. Definitely, definitely. And it really, when I first started as a naturalist, I, I didn't take it very seriously. And I also, that was two years out of college. And my parents had been like, you know, when are you going to go back to school and get another degree? What are you going to do? And I was like, I don't, I don't know what I want to do yet. You know, I just am starting this job and I know I like the whales, but I don't know where I want to take it. And when I found was that when I started working, there were, there were other research groups that were studying the whales, but nobody was really looking at education. And so I was like, oh, this could be my, my niche. You know, this could be the thing where I can make an impact for whales. And, and then I met a professor that came out whale watching and I wasn't even working this day. The person that was the naturalist 
luckily made the connection that we would love to have a conversation. And we did. And, and got, he was somebody else that changed my life because he introduced me to all these different learning theories that then led me back to go get a master's in whale watch education. I designed my own program. And, and so I just, you know, it's, it's ending up on this one particular boat led me to meet these other people. And again, it's opportunities I feel like that are put in front of me that I, I, I guess I was, I feel lucky that I was able to see them as opportunities and take advantage of them. Right. Well, here's the, here's the thing that I think a lot of people experience. You're doing this job that your parents are looking at you like, this isn't the job for like life. This can't be it for you. I want more for you. Go to school, go back to school, do this thing, figure it out now. So you've got that pressure coming in on one side. You didn't know yet what you really wanted to do. What was that like, the back and forth? Was it a struggle for you or? It was, I knew that they, I knew that they were supportive of what I was doing because they, they knew that I loved it. Um, right. But it, 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 I just was, I just felt like I just need time. I just need time to figure out what I want to do with this and where I want to take it and how it's going to happen, I guess. And so then I, I think it was, it was five years after I graduated from college, I went back and started a master's program. So it took me a few years, but yeah, it was perfect. The timing of it was perfect because I was able, it was the coolest experience too. going back when you know exactly what you want to do as an adult yeah. and then being able to work in the field and learn. It, it was awesome. Well, and that's the thing too. Again, there's that pressure, right? You have to have it all figured out. And I know people just getting out of college, they're getting into the workforce. They're like mad that they can't make a difference. Like I wanted to make a difference and I've got to figure this all out. And, you know, there was a time when our lifespan was like 30 years. There was a time like when the age of retirement was 65, the average lifespan was 70, right? So we were still, we were always conditioned to work till almost we die. Yeah, it's a different <laughs> but, time now. But our, the average age expectancy, I think is like 83 now. So you're 20, like 25, you've got time to lean into the things that you love and take that space to figure it out. And no steps that you ever take are gonna be wrong. You're gonna learn from them, but the easier it is for you to listen to what's true and right for you, right? That's the whole be the wolf thing. The more joy you're going to have along the way, the easier the lessons will be to collect because you'll always come back to what is right for me. And I love that your parents were supportive. So you were able to say, hey, what's right for me? And take that time. And then you went back and you got to do something that I don't think most people know is possible, design your own curriculum. Yeah, I was, I, I did it through Lesley University and I would work with a, a professor each different semester. And it was, it was so amazing because the people that I worked with would just bring such a different perspective that I hadn't thought of. And I was, I remember this summer 
that I was working on the boat and trying to take classes, I did a, we call them packets, but I did a packet on leadership. And so I was studying this stuff and then I had the interns that were there that I was working with. And so I would learn something and then I would test it out. And it was just such an amazing experience to, to be in the field when you're learning. And it, for me, and it's something that I always try to pass on to my students, it's understanding the theory and then being able to put it into practice and understand how they go together. I think it's, it's huge. I mean, that's such a piece. It reminds me a lot of entrepreneurship. Like you get into this thing because you love it. Like maybe you make dresses. I don't know. <laughs> so you make dresses because you love to make dresses and you're a great designer and all of that, but you want a small little thing. And then you realize, oh, I've got to learn about accounting and <laughs> I've got marketing and marketing and manage a, a staff and uh, all of these different things. And yeah. a lot of times if you take a leap into something like entrepreneurship without figuring all that stuff out first, it's just, it's enough Whoa. to make you want to quit. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot. And, and so what I'm hearing in your designing of your curriculum is that you were looking at all the pieces that you might need to learn about to create your dream career. Does that sound correct? Yeah, yeah. And I don't even think I quite knew it at the time, but so many of the things that I was studying are things that I still use today in, in all of my, I don't know, different hats that I wear, I guess, all my different professions. You know, it's like how to teach and how do kids learn and how do you teach in formal and informal settings? All of these different things. Yeah, I still use so much of what I did for my master's 20 years ago. Yeah. Well, and it's also interesting, too, when you're looking at when you go back to school later or when you choose to do different programs and stuff. I <laughs> want to talk about the mountains of education I've done since then. But when you're choosing to, because you have a purpose for it, because once you, you've taken that time to figure out what you want to do, and you've tried on some different hats, the power of what you learn is so much more effective, I think, when you're giving it, when you're directing it exactly towards what you're born to do. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. And I don't, I think I, I knew some of that at the time, but I don't think I knew all of it. You know what I mean? I guess I just didn't know how all of it would then influence the rest of my life so much, I think. Yeah. So you finished, you got your master's. What was your degree called? You got your master's in what? Uh, it was in interdisciplinary studies, but I, I think I'd called it Whale Watch Education. Okay. And then, so then I worked on the boat. I developed this program. I trained interns during the summer. And then a few years went by. And then we, when we started whale watching, when I started, so I've been doing it for 29 years. So 25 years ago, we used to take a lot of schools out to go see the whales. And it was so cool because the kids would get to have that experience. But I things have changed because of buses and cost and time on task. We don't take school groups out anymore. And so I had for years was, I always wanted to take whales somehow back to Indiana to teach kids in Indiana about whales. Um, and so I had, I had always called this idea 
the whale mobile because I used to see the Oscar Mayer arena mobile. So this sits on my desk and I thought, Ooh, that was almost in a shape of a whale. I could take one of those and trick it out. And, and, and about 10 years. And so coupled with that idea of a traveling whale and realizing that even kids out here weren't getting to go out on the ocean anymore. I was like, this would be a way that I could take whales into schools. And so 10, 11 years ago, I had this really nice life-size inflatable whale that made that I take into schools and the kids come inside of it and we learn about the whales and how whales are impacted, what we, how, how they help the planet, how they help the oceans and what kids can do. And so that's really, so I'm on the whale watch boat a little bit and I spend more of my time now in schools and libraries, just talking to, talking to kids about what we can do to help the oceans. And so when you had this idea and you figured out how to make it work, right? It's not always if you can do it, it's like, how? (laughs) And that's been a huge process. I mean, like you're saying about being an entrepreneur, it's like, I'm great in front of the kids. I'm not so good in the back office. Like that is, that's a whole process of learning how to actually make it happen. You know, how how to do all the day to day stuff. So I was going to ask what was, what were the things you had to overcome? What were the fears that came up during that? Like, how do we bring the whale to the land? (laughs) I mean, a huge one is, will anybody want me to come and do this? Will people want me to come talk to their kids? And then another, another huge one to overcome was how do I run a business? How do I reach out to schools? How do I, because for a while I would just wait for like an email inquiry to come in or two people would talk about it and somebody would reach out. So it took me a few years to, I guess, really own the fact that I could be in control of this and I could market and I could reach out to schools and have me come in. That that's been a huge, a huge learning curve for me. And I've gotten help in, in how to make it happen, but it's always worth it because It's just so fun to hang out with kids for a day and see them get excited. And yeah. 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 Well, I know when you're really, you feel called to do something. And I, I think a lot of people can relate to this. When you feel called to do something and then you try to do it and it doesn't work out. Right. You like, like I, traveled the country photographing ghost bikes and I felt called to make this art project. I self-published a book and then I still have a whole bunch of them because I didn't know how to market. I didn't know how I was too, I had the scarcity mindset. I can't hire a publicist, like, Oh, talking to people, Oh, like all these different things that ultimately were obstacles that caused me to stop. And it wasn't really about the passion or the dream that I was trying to create. It was that those fears were too hard at the time for me to overcome. And I think that's when somebody's thinking about turning the thing that they love into a career right? You can just do it and hope it's like the staying inside and waiting for your dream person to show up at the door. But the reality is you've got to take action to make it happen. And 
to do that, which most people are unwilling to do, it means facing those fears and putting yourself out there. Is there a specific fear that you can think of that came up during that time? Besides the, like, will people want this? Like when you were really, you're like, okay, I have to market and I can push through that place. Cause I think that's the, that's the turning point. I think for a lot of people is when they're willing to go there, but then they've got to face whatever comes up there. I mean, I think that like what you said about the scarcity mindset, I think that's a huge thing to overcome. And that's been a really big thing that I've been working on this year. My word of the year was abundance. And it, that has been my goal. Can I, can I contribute to my family and make this a viable you know, thing? Can I do this and still be a good parent? Can I do all of these different things and shifting from scarcity and getting to that place of feeling like, yes, I can do this. I can find balance, which is a constant thing. I think we work on. <laughs> that's been, a, that's been a really big thing for me this year, even, even 10, 11 years into doing this. Yeah. What was the, was there something you said you've been working on that in the last year? Was there something specific that kind of turned you around a little bit to being able to be more open to receiving abundance? I've been trying to, I've been working on doing some meditations like about abundance and doing a lot of visualization. I think, I feel like that helps me. It, yeah. it, and it, I guess it's the constant, it's saying, okay, this is what I want more than fearing something. And so yeah. Even if it's five minutes a day, I try to sit down and listen to something that helps me get into that mindset. Mindset, And it definitely, yeah. when I move away from it, because I've had times that I'm like out on the road a lot or something, and I get away from doing any of the, I don't know, kind of more daily mental things for myself. You know, I get out of practice and I find myself slipping back into that kind of scarcity mindset. And so it's really working at it. I hope sometime it shifts so that it's, you know, <laughs> I don't slip back into it, but, but that's, that's been a big one. Yeah. It's, it's a huge one for a lot of people. It's one of the things I work on with my clients. Cause when you're making a career shift, especially into something that's fulfilling and you love, you've got to be more excited about what you can gain than what you're going to lose. And so what I'm hearing in your taking time every day is you're focusing on what you're trying to create and what you're moving towards rather than, oh my gosh, are I going to lose the house? Are we going to have food on the table? All these things that you don't want, right? It's either towards that thing that you're trying to create or what you're trying to prevent. And to really stay when your mindset naturally just leans towards what you're trying to create and stops flipping out about what you're trying to lose or prevent, that's when you just automatically start creating the abundance. And that shift when it happens, it's like magic. If yeah. there's such a thing as magic, but it's, it's, yeah, it's powerful. I, I think, I think too, it's like, there's two things. One is that I also, I notice signs that I feel like I'm on the right path. Like, so, I mean, this is like 
a ho a hokey one but to me it was huge there i we so the humpbacks that we watch in massachusetts all have names and we see the same whales year after year so one of my favorites is a whale named clipper and i saw her every single year that i was there for like four years 1997 was the last year i saw her and then in 2005 i took a step back from the whale watch and the second to the last trip that i uh had worked before i retired for the first time I went out and she was there. I hadn't seen her in seven years and she was there. I was like, okay, there's my, there's my blessing. This is what I need to do. And, and so I, I look at things like that, that have happened throughout my career and some of it's with individual whales, some of it's with people. And I, I know in my heart of hearts that I'm on the right path and that I'm doing what I should be doing. Um, yeah. And the other piece of it is like, I th is going back to really the why I, why I'm, doing what I'm doing, you know, 100%. so I mean, it's getting, I love sharing whales with kids. And I think about for me, I, it wasn't about protecting the planet when I was a kid. I just liked whales, yeah. but, but that has been my path to getting to the point where I think about the planet and I think about what actions we can take. And so that's, it's like, that's what I want to emulate with kids. Like I, sometimes I tell the kids, like, I just want you to leave thinking whales are cool. Because that's a first step along this journey of life to protecting our planet. Like, I just want you to think whales are cool. And so getting back to that when I'm having my, like, that's where it all stems from. That's, that's yeah. an important thing too. Well, that's the why. The why isn't so you can so not end up on the street and, you know, the why isn't so you can support your, like, there's a bigger purpose here. And when you, more you lean into the bigger purpose, the more stuff starts to show up for you if you're willing to look and if you're willing to take the action. That's so cool. Yes, it's yes. So cool. And I've seen that 100% this year. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it's definitely a sign that you are on the right path. Okay, Cindy, can you tell people how they can get in touch with you, how they can check out the whale mobile, how they get all the things, all the things, hundred percent. My website's thewhalemobile.com and you can go there to see the types of programs that I do in schools or libraries. There's contact form you could fill out if you're interested. I do travel. I live in Massachusetts, but I am planning on being as far west as Illinois this summer, I think, as far south as um, possibly Virginia. So if you're somewhere in that little semicircle for Massachusetts, certainly reach out. And then I'm on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. So you can find out more on all of those sites about what I do. And all, all the handles are the whale mobile, correct? Yep, they are. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I just love so much that you have taken something you were so passionate about and turned it into a business. But more than anything, it's something you get to do every day in your life. So being able to be excited to wake up, that's the beautiful thing about having a purpose is you know, your purpose is bigger than you. It's bigger than your family. And it keeps you motivated to keep going. And that is. Absolutely. And I, I share that with kids because I feel like along with along with teaching them about whales, like that's part of my story is this kid that grew up in Indiana that works with whales. 
And it is, yeah. I, I say, I was like, I don't ever feel like I'm working because this is just, this is just what I, this is what I'm called to do and what I always have. Can I say one other thing actually too, that of I think course. is really important is like, for me, it was whales, but I didn't want to do science. And so to think outside the box, if there are people that are interested in something, but not in the traditional route of getting it to just think outside the box of how you can still have your passion incorporated into your life. Not with the traditional routes that we think we're supposed to do. I mean, we talked about that a little bit earlier, but that's always something that I like to share with kids. Like if you're into turtles, but not into science, like we need artists, we need engineers, we need, you know, all different people to be, to be working on, on that one topic, I guess. So. Exactly. And one of those things too, the thing that you love could also just be a gateway to the thing that you don't know about yet. And so follow those ideas and those passions and those things that you love and also don't be attached to the way it's supposed to look. I think that's really important. Absolutely. That, yeah. Now, speaking of attachment, if you are attached <laughs> to a job that you don't like, a career that's not fulfilling you, and you want to step into doing something that brings you joy and something you love, if you want career fulfillment, let's have a call. <laughs> let's have a conversation. I have a great program that works to help people overcome all, all that stuff that gets in the way of thinking that you can't make the thing that you love, the thing that you do. And go open up your browser, unless you're driving, type in elevatebookacall.com and sign up for a call. And we'll just have a conversation and see if it's a good fit. Cindy. Oh, I'm so glad you got to share with us today. I know it's so nice to chat. I love it. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for bringing whale love into the world <laughs> and your joy of talking about what you do. It exudes those of you. I'm sure that are listening can hear it, but if you're watching on video, you can definitely see it. And it's so, it always lights me up when I, people are doing something that they love. So Thank you for bringing that joy and light into the world. Thank you. And thank you for inviting me to come chat with you today. It's been wonderful. Absolutely. All right, everybody. We will see you next time on Be the Wolf. And that's it. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Be the Wolf. Please take a moment to rate, share, and follow this podcast so that together we can inspire others to be the wolf.